On this week's episode, Amazon tries on the Rings of Power. Rick and Morty continue their chaos. And what are we looking forward to for Star Trek Day? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC C Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Vampires, and Vitae, Wild Beyond a Witchlight as part of Wizards and Wine, and also the great things that we do at Pop Culture Cosmos because we are the numero uno, number one tabletop RPG streamer out there on Facebook. We've got a ton absolute ton of great games to show you right there in the video section at pop culture cosmos on facebook in fact we have games all weekend long with our fabulous dm mitch we've got our monday episodes of demolition force and we're heading to a special number 100 episode with our dm roger and of course we got vampires and vitae rocking it every single week Plus also, Wild Beyond the Witchlight and Wizards and Wine, they're rocking it during the week as well. So if you can go ahead and support all that, plus everything that we do at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook in regards to being the, the place to go for everything pop culture, all your latest news and information is right there at your very fingertips, popculturecosmos.com, where we got a ton of great articles and ton of great podcast links for you right there, if you can support all of that. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is back from the land of vacation. She has returned to us, relaxed. Her mind is at ease. Coming back from, I think I saw pictures of you and Robbie, your your husband. I think they were on the beaches of the Mediterranean? Or or was it Rio? Or or was it Hawaii? I'm not sure. You were all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it was all of the above, let's be okay. honest. Absolutely, absolutely. Speeding <laughs> around in the boat that Robbie and you were driving along all over the oceans. Yeah. Go ahead and check out what she's doing today at Vampires and Vitae, at Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts. Plus also as well, you can go ahead and check her out every week on the Demolition Force and Wild Beyond the Witchlight, right there for you as part of the Wizards and Wine experience. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. Melinda, you look refreshed. You look ready to go. You look ready to talk some pop culture today. 
I am ready for it. And caught up on some. <laughs> we really tried to make it a screen-free vacation. Well, you um, know, when you're globetrotting yeah. on your vacation, it's really yeah. hard to go ahead and keep up with everything. Yeah, that's that is very true. Um, and, uh, you know, some, some, some places, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult to, um, you know, get jet lag under control to be able to watch your shows at the correct times and, you know, stuff like that. So that, that was also a challenge, uh, while we were jet setting around the world. Okay. But it looks like you had a good vacation. <laughs> I am happy for you both. I heard also yes. about the South of France as well. <laughs> We don't talk about the south of France. Okay, okay, we won't. All right, but please. I'm just go kidding. Ahead. It was a wonderful staycation, and uh, it was a it was a much needed four days off, and uh, we're glad to be back at it, though. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. But please go ahead and check out what she's doing today with Vampires of Vitae and Wild Beyond the Witchlight, part of Wizards and Wine. On today's great show, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things. Do 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 do. do. Lord of the Rings is back. Amazon's Half a billion dollar gamble and investment is now live and available on Amazon Prime Video in the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. How is it? I actually caught the first two episodes. I'll have my thoughts here in just a minute. Plus also as well, Rick and Morty debut season six this weekend. So we'll talk about the influence that Rick and Morty has had on some other shows that have dropped in recent times talking about how they might have even pushed the boundaries of adult animated comedy that much more. We'll talk about She-Hulk episode three, because I got a chance to check that out and we'll go ahead and share some thoughts on where we stand with She-Hulk. I also want to talk about the last of us. It debuted for the PlayStation earlier this week with a part one, of course, the original, being remade after it was remastered after it was done the first time. So in 2013, the game came out. The Last of Us came out to great acclaim and great sales for PlayStation. The next year, they did a remaster. Now, several years later for the PS5, they've done a remake. Was it worth it? Was it needed? We'll talk to go. We'll go ahead and talk to Melinda, a.k.a. the PlayStation fan. And to ask her what she thinks about this remake and see if it was needed. That's coming up on the show. Plus also as well in part one of our battle for September 8th. Because September 8th is a big day. Not only is everything else going on in the world of entertainment and all that. But Disney Plus and Star Trek are going to be battling out with the news. As far as what they're going to go ahead and talk about. With panels, with discussions, with trailers. What do we need to see as far as in part one from Star Trek to take the day on September the 8th? We'll go ahead and talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is one ring to rule them all. Even though in the case of this one, actually, it's a set of rings, but they didn't really go into much detail on the rings this time around yet because it's just getting started. But it is the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. It is right now the first two episodes available on Amazon Prime. I will say that it got off to a pretty darn good start. It was very encouraging. 
the way they made it explainable to a audience that may not be as familiar with J.R. Tolkien's work or even Peter Jackson's work as far as the movies that this is relating from. I think that it, they did get off to a good start talking about the battle that ended the first age and this where the series is taking place is in the second age and Sauron rising up again to power. That's a possibility as well from what we see. And, and as the trailers, if everybody hasn't caught it yet, that there's a possibility of Sauron coming back into power, which, you know, if you've seen the movies, you know what, where that goes, but the leads are basically Galadriel who is taking command of this. It really, she is a, a force to be reckoned with as far as her determination and trying to find and kill and thwart Sauron to avenge the death of her brother. And also Elrond and his uh, inner workings and, and uh, conversations briefly with, uh, with Galadriel, who ultimately Galadriel makes a decision to go and move into a different direction while he goes off to try and speak to the the you know the dwarves that that goes ahead and make could be a, a you know obviously they're obviously a, going to be a a, a a big part of what they're doing down the road but basically why this show i think in the episodes one and two are really good is because it sets up for everybody everything that's going on in Mil middle earth from the elves and the importance that they carry as far as trying to go ahead and do what they can to help middle earth part of the regime that's there wants to go ahead and continue what they're doing. Part of them wants to go back to their homeland, which, you know, is also tied into what we see at the end of the Lord of the Rings movies. Also as well, you have the dwarves who play a key role in episode two. And then you also have the humans, which are scattered amongst the first two episodes and a relationship that you see forming between a particular elf and a particular human and some other strange things happen, but also as well, the birth of Sauron as far as rising again from the dead, or I should say, but hiding, I should say, rising his, you know, the search for him, for him proved to be fruitless for Galadriel in the many years that she tried to seek him out. But there's now one or two clues that saying that Sauron will be rising again at some point in time during the series. So your thoughts now that Lord of the Rings, the Ring of Power is now out, again, the first two episodes, they're beautiful to look at. The cinematography is fantastic. Yes, there's green screening, but not to the point where it becomes distracting. It's not like a Marvel movie. It's <laughs> really pretty to look at. You can see Amazon dished out the cash for this. The uh, actual landscapes and the actual... Uh, uh, scenes, the sets, the the beautiful designs of everything that goes into it is very Middle Earthish, so it does recreate that type of atmosphere. And I know a lot of people out there were worried about how well Peter Jackson did the Lord of the Rings movies, and to an extent the Hobbit movies. Whatever you think of them, they were still well done as far as from a you know a cinematic standpoint, as far as beauty, look, sets, production, that type of thing. This is no slouch, and I really think people need to check out because it does help people get back into, just like what we've seen in the past two weeks with the House of the Dragon, how people are now getting back into Game of Thrones. And to Melinda's credit, she was right. It actually gained 2% of the audience 
from what it did on its premiere. So it's actually gaining an audience. This does a lot to get you back into the Lord of the Rings. I am thrilled to hear you say that you liked it because I've read you know so a tough much. critic at times. You you are, and and I appreciate that about you. And I think that because um, you know there's been speculation for you know since it was announced that this was, Amazon was going to take on uh, this project. So I'm glad to hear that it was a positive experience for you. Uh, my hope is that the people who have been disappointed in advance actually give it the time and give it the consideration that it sounds like it deserves. I'm going to watch it uh, after we wrap up here because I just got home from work. But my goodness, that's really good to hear. And the the fact that it's, it's beautiful to look at and that the, the story is good and that uh, and it intersects all of that stuff. It does a great job of intermixing the stories from the humans to the elves to yeah. the, the Harfoots. The only th- part about the Harfoots, that may be a little bit slow to some people. It doesn't have quite the pace and quite the excitement that the other stories are starting off with. But it's still integral to the part of what you're seeing as far as how it intertwines it all. I just think people need to be a little bit more patient with the Harfoots as part of it. But it goes back and forth really well and it keeps people's interest and I'm thankful for that because it doesn't stay in one place long enough to overstay its welcome. For sure. And uh, the Harfoots, they, um, I mean, having one storyline because there's five altogether, right? There's Mm -hmm. five rings. So with that many threads that you have to weave into this tapestry of a show. Or sets of rings. Because remember, they give out sets to men, sets to... Right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's, um, there has to be a storyline that is going to hit a little bit later, a little bit further into the series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that it's the, the Harfoots, I think. Um, A.K.A. Hobbits, to people. Hobbits, there, yeah, yeah. I, I think is they're, simply they're a They're descendants or a, a part of the Hobbit family. Yeah, I, I think that it just makes sense. It, it gives you an opportunity and, and a place to go. Uh, with the series as well. It gives you room to grow a little bit of a breath um, in the, in the storytelling that they're taking on with this. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and I can't wait to watch it after we wrap here tonight. And there's the usual tension between the elves and the, uh, the dwarves, the dwarves, and the elves, the humans and the elves, the elves and the humans. There's still all that anger towards the races there. And, you know, the Harfoots just want to stay out of it, keep to themselves, you know, as of, as of course. But I really think overall it does set you up very nicely. You watch the Lord of the Rings, especially the end of the Lord of the Rings movies, about where they go to, the land of where those ships go to at the end. They explain that because that's where they come from in the beginning to go to Middle Earth. So you see that. And you also get an example of that during the course of the two episodes that gives you more uh, of an idea exactly why it is so special once these elves are chosen or once it's time to go back to their, their homeland or back to the land you know, beyond what we see in Middle Earth, whatnot. So it really is a great way to go ahead and indoctrinate a lot of people to the Lord, to the Lord of the Rings that may have only just checked out the movies or may have not checked it out at all. I just really think it's a great starting point. I would have liked to see them even go farther back into the first age, which they only touch on briefly 
in the first episode, that would have probably been my preference, but I think it's still a good starting point and it helps wean you into what you would be seeing if you have not seen yet the Lord of the Rings movies. Absolutely. And, you know, it's shockingly enough, there is a group of people coming up who probably haven't watched the movies yet. As oh, yeah. No as, doubt. As, it's hard to believe as, as that is for, you know, us old timers. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'll tell you a little tidbit. My, my girls aren't around there. They're sleeping right now. But yeah. my girls who I named after these movies, or my wife and I named after these movies, mm-hmm. they have yet to watch the movies and have resisted trying to watch. <laughs> I don't want to see it yet. When I'm emotionally prepared, I will go and see it. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. But my youngest actually sat through the first two episodes. She didn't mind it. She thought it was okay. But trying to get them to watch the whole entire experience or read the books yet, they're softening than they did yep. in the past five years. They're softening a little bit. So I'm hopeful of that grateful day. They said, in their own time and space, Dad, we'll go on ahead and experience Lord of the Rings. And I said, okay, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure that that will happen for you and it will be a wonderful... Also- I named yeah, named them. <laughs> it's After. your namesake, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see, but I do highly recommend the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings, especially episode 1. Although episode 1 and episode 2, episode 1 uh it, it bleeds over the explanations and uh, you know the things some um the dwarves aren't even introduced until episode 2. So it, it bleeds into, it's like the first episode and a half is an explainer for what's going on in the Second Age in Middle-Earth and Lord of the Rings. So I'm hopeful that people get a chance to check it out, but it really does tell a pretty good story so far. I'm intrigued. It does not look like they've penny-pinched at all at Amazon for a television show. This looks to be top-notch, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of what we can see in Lord of the Rings. Fantastic. I am very excited to experience it for the very first time. Do you want me to text you as it's happening? Absolutely. You know, I'll be up editing, so it really doesn't matter. (laughs) I'll give you the play-by-play of my thoughts. There you go. Absolutely. indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, the first two episodes? Have you seen them? Do you want to see them? Do you want to get back into the Lord of the Rings? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. One last thing, Melinda, I am still saddened in a way to see that they've not, Amazon, with all the hundreds of millions of dollars that they put into this, I understand I've seen advertising for it, but not to the level or the extent that I really thought I would. Give me Lord of the Rings packaging on my next Amazon purchase. Got to do it. Yeah, or at least an insert, like a little insert in your box that says, hey, yeah. there's a new show and it's really cool and you should watch it. Absolutely. Here's a fake ring. <laughs> Well, one fake ring to rule them all. To rule them all. (laughs) So what are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Okay, wait. Wait, I... I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can certainly try. Okay, so that is... um, uh, that's uh, obvination? (laughs) Close enough. It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. 
So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can... You are still naked. Oh, God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh, God. This is... The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, there's so much more to talk about on today's episode. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here at the PC Multiverse. It is season six upon us this weekend with Rick and Morty once again wreaking havoc upon the universe as only they can. I think it's again been, I, I don't know, Rick and Morty now is something where the writers, the directors, the producers, anybody relating to this now, they're able to go ahead and do so many things they're working on. You know, they're working in in conjunction with Star Wars. They're working in conjunction with Marvel. They're working in conjunction with uh, other aspects. Video games, High on Life for the Xbox, which is going to be an Xbox exclusive coming out later this year, is is part being written and directed by one of the people behind Rick and Morty. And it's hilarious if you get a chance to check out that trailer. I will say that if you get a chance to go ahead and check out some of the other stuff they're doing, I mean, that leads into Marvel, that leads into Star Wars, some of the great series that they've had so far. They've had an influence there. Marvel, I mean, what their success in Rick and Morty and what they've done has led them to so much more success all over. And that also seemed to me a lot of it as far as the influence in some uh, several recent animated comedies that have come out uh most notably star trek lower decks i think is really really heavily influenced by rick and morty as far as the craziness the style of comedy i think that fx's little demon which is a show that just recently came out to fx dealing with the heaven and hell and the, uh, a very angst teenager whose uh, father is the devil and and, uh, you know, the mother's, uh, you know, an angel, I believe. And, yeah, just the whole paradox about that. And, you know, yeah, it's just really back and forth on that. That's chaos is created with a heavy influence from Rick and Morty. So, I mean, in the six seasons, I know it's not for everybody. And I know sometimes it's hard to get through because it's so fast paced and it really can get confusing at times between Rick and Morty and all the different multiverses and universes that they have and clones and all the things of that nature. And the, but it is crazy, and sometimes when you embrace the chaos, embracing the chaos can be quite good. It really can be, and you can even do it around your D&D table because there's Rick and Morty in D&D as well. There you go. Yeah, it really is kind of permeating through everything. The new game, the free-to-play game, Multiverses, they're yep. a major part of it. I haven't watched every single episode of every single season. I just haven't had time. You know, what, I, what I've watched has amused me and when i sit down to watch some of these adult cartoons um if i'm not at least amused by the humor that's in the show um then it's going to be a pass for me and um i've always enjoyed you know the the rick and morty stuff that i have watched and i've enjoyed the albeit perhaps dysfunctional relationship between rick and morty um i i think that there's something beautiful about it <laughs> As in like a grandson and a grandfather and, and how much time they spend together, albeit yeah. some of it pretty terrible, but you know, it's, it's great stuff. And uh, I think that if, uh, if you haven't given Rick and Morty 
a little bit of your time. Um, maybe just, you know, pick a random episode and try it on and, and see what you think. Well, six seasons in, it is clearly one of the most popular and most followed animated comedies that are out there. And again, a lot of these most recent animated comedies are heavily borrowing from the style and the chaos that is created on Rick and Morty. I think that's something that, that even the producers of some of these shows have have talked about, about the influence that Rick and Morty has. It likens to me like what the, the success of the Simpsons and South Park and yeah. those shows, what they've done to animated features, animated series of those generations and how they've been able to go ahead and provide a lot of uh, influence for comedies around that. So yeah, it just seems to me right now that Six seasons in, it's going strong, and it doesn't seem to be letting up anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Robbie, my husband, enjoys Family Guy, Rick and Morty, all of that kind of stuff. In fact, I started watching Rick and Morty with Rob. He's not a huge fan of vulgar humor for the sake of being vulgar. He likes it to be, you know, a, a, have some smart leaning in the jokes. Um, he doesn't like, yeah, just vulgarity for the sake of what I can get away with. And he's a he's a big fan of Rick and Morty. I don't know that that has any currency or, or any weight to anybody who might be on the fence about checking out a couple of episodes if they haven't watched it at this point. We've spent time watching Rick and Morty. We've never sat down and watched F is for Family together. So I don't know, I don't know if that has any value to anybody whatsoever, but it is uh, it is something that I've considered for for quite a while. So there you go. But it is Rick and Morty. It's season six. So please go ahead and check it out. It is debuting this weekend on Adult Swim. So please, if you have thoughts on Rick and Morty as they hit season six, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, I wanted to go ahead and talk about She-Hulk episode three real quick. And with She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, the latest episode has her being instrumental in freeing Blonsky aka the abomination ultimately from prison so it looks like he gets his parole because that that's basically what the gist of most of the episode was about was getting him paroled with the help of wong who makes an appearance and explains why he did what he did when it concerns the the things that he did with abomination in the fight chamber if you remember the legend of Chongqi movie that he was part of so if you remember that scene as far as them in the fight club there that that delves into that aspect of it he explains why he did it he explains that abomination instead of getting asylum in the inner sanctum he decided to go back to his jail cell to serve out his sentence so i think that's what did it as far as getting him his parole so that will now go forward in the series about uh, neil blonsky aka abomination now being able to run his uh, or do his thing as far as his his meditation courses from his farm that his followers have uh, set up for him. So, and that's part of the joke that's in there during this show. But yeah, most of that was based on the episode for this week. It was all right for what it was trying to get into kind of like a lawyer comedy episode case of the week type deal. The side case from one of the other individuals with her law firm, the superhero law firm, wanted to go ahead and focus on a new Asgardian shapeshifter that tricked a former colleague of Jennifer Walters 
into believing she was Megan Thee Stallion, which led to a <laughs> appearance by Megan Thee Stallion. And at the end, as far as a cutscene, a dance off, a twerk per se, a I twerk? guess. With, yeah. Yes, a twerk. Yes. She whole yeah. twerked with Megan Thee Stallion at the end of the episode. So again, wasn't new substantial as far as anything other than Abomination now gets his release. Your thoughts on this as the story develops in She-Hulk? It's been a ride for what it was. Again, as I've told you off air, I think this show moves too briskly for its own good to flesh out things. Sometimes it, it leaves things on the corner or trying to explain things. It doesn't really do a good job as as far as Titania, which we talked about earlier as far as having a disagreement in traffic court, which led to her almost throwing a desk at, at a jury and crashing through, which saw She-Hulk save in episode one. So really doesn't go about doing a great job of explaining a lot of the side stuff very well. But uh, there's also a group of thugs that tried to go ahead and attack She-Hulk and try to get her blood, but they're unable to because it looks like some mysterious individual wants her blood to see if they can, you know, obviously try and get the Hulk power. But for what it's worth, it's okay. It's just something, again, where I'm seeing from Marvel where it's just okay. But I think that sometimes there's a short amount of episodes and the short time limit within those episodes are causing these MCU series as of right now to not being able to get fleshed out. Yeah, I'm not so sure that they're looking at these series as a way to flesh out like real huge storylines so much as it's a way for them to introduce the next characters that you're going to see that will start to carry the Marvel banner forward as we go well into... Said. You know, the, the next right. phase. I think that's what the attempt is here. I think you're exactly right. I, I, mean, I try to look at things in that perspective, if that's the case. And yeah, again, that's what this phase four has been all about, is a lot of introductions for a lot of characters who are going to be a bigger part of the MCU going forward. But it is She-Hulk episode three. I thought it was okay. But again, the series so far has just been okay for me. Has it been something much more for you? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, half hour down, half hour to go. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, along right here at the PCC Multiverse. But before we get into the rest of the half hour, Melinda needs to give you an update on what's going on with everything that she's doing with Vampires and Vitae. While beyond the witch light with wizards and wine, everything that she's doing out there. So please go ahead, Melinda, take the cue and go ahead and let us know what you're up to with all the great stuff in the world of tabletop RPG. So I'm just going to fill the last 30 minutes. Is that okay? That sounds good to me. <laughs> no, not really. But coming up this Monday, we are back at uh, the Las Vegas table for wizards and wine. And it's going to be a double episode release day as well, because it's going to be a double episode release coming up on Monday, plus the live stream. So there's going to be more Wizards and Wine than you can handle in one day uh, this coming Monday. 
And this coming Sunday, Vampires and Vitae, we're back at the table again with Tyler, Roger, Robbie, and myself. Margie on her flight right now as she makes the move from uh, the U.S. over to Ireland. Once she gets settled, Margie will be remoting back in with us. And uh, you'll see Helen and her storyline continue to uh, to build and, and uh, pardon the pun, flesh out a little bit more. We're all very excited for that and can't wait to get back to the table. And I haven't seen Robbie as a storyteller seem this relaxed in a really long time. So I'm sure that we have some pretty wild stuff in, in store for us with Vampires and Vitae. It is Vampires and Vitae. Please go ahead and check it out today, wherever you get your podcasts. Or stop by the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook where you catch the videotaping that's done every Sunday right there for Vampires of Vite. And then while Beyond the Witchlight, you right there for you, go ahead and check it out Monday night at Podcast by Melinda on Facebook or Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook as well. But my friend, there's so much more to talk about on the back half of the show. First up, I wanted to go ahead and talk about the battle for September 8th. Mm-hmm. And why are we doing this on the first? Because you and I will be talking all the stuff and running down all the stuff that went on during that day when it concerns Disney Plus Day, when it concerns Star Trek Day. But in part one of my conversation, Battle of September 8th, wanted you as the Star Trek fan, I am a Star Trek fan too, but as the Star Trek fan of the pop culture cosmos to go ahead and focus on Star Trek Day. I'll let Josh focus in on Disney Plus Day and what they need to go ahead and do and announce. But for you, what does Star Trek need to do to go ahead and really showcase, really take the day because they need to. They're the underdog. They're the ones that I thought should have changed the day, seeing how Disney Plus Day and D23 is going to start up on that day. Really thought that was an error in their part because they've got a lot of good momentum going into this. I don't want to see them get stepped on by Disney, but it's looking more and more like that. Unless they pull off a zinger that gets everybody talking. All the major series, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, the Nickelodeon show, Star Trek mm-hmm. Lower Decks. They're all going to be represented with panels there. There's also hopefully going to be talk about this Star Trek movie, which is a lot in disarray right now. Seemingly because the director walked off the project to go be the director of Fantastic Four for Marvel. So I want to hear your thoughts. What will win the day in the battle for September 8th for Star Trek? It depends on what you're looking for, I think. If you if you are, because they're doing like a worldwide free live event. It's all going to be online. So you'll be able to check it out yourself. Um, you know, while you're at work pretending to be working, it's going to be fine. Your boss will never know, but they have members of the casts from all of the Star Trek television series, uh, all stopping by to, uh, to have a chat with the hosts. And there's also going to be a tribute to, uh, Nichelle Nichols. You're going to get a behind the scenes tour of Star Trek discovery, And one thing that I'm very excited about and has made me a little bit optimistic because I've talked before about how Star Trek sometimes comes across as though it doesn't like its fans very much. Uh, And I'm just talking about the fan-made movies and things like that start to happen. Star Trek always puts a stop to it. But one of the things that's happening is they're going to feature Star Trek cosplayers in a like runway kind of situation. 
So I'm optimistic that that may start to show perhaps a different tone when it comes to Star Trek and Star Trek fans get finally getting along um, side by side. Um, because I've even heard of cosplayers getting cease and desist notices when their cosplays are too screen accurate. Because they, I don't know if Star Trek is concerned that people are going to confuse a fan with, you know, official members of, of any cast of any show. I'm optimistic that that hopefully is going to be a, a shift in tone for uh, the Star Trek relations with fans. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. In the U.S., if you happen to be in Los Angeles, New York, or Chicago, you're going to be able to go and check out these Delta portals. And you'll scan a QR code and it's going to take stuff and it's going to become like a mixed reality portal that will bring you into the world of Star Trek, which I think is ridiculously cool. I'm so upset that there isn't one in Las Vegas. I might have to drive to Los Angeles, check out the Grove so I can find the Delta and get the scan and see what's going on with that. But yeah, no, I, I think that this is a positive step for Star Trek when it comes to, again, those fan relations, which can be a little tempered or tempted at times. That it can, and I'm hoping that they will go ahead and announce some big things. They're obviously going to showcase some trailers for Star Trek Picard, maybe Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's reported that both series have actually filmed and wrapped I mean, season two for Star Trek Strange New Worlds and season three for Picard, which will be the final season for Star Trek Picard. There's a lot of rumors that Star Trek Discovery may get to its final season which would be season five. There's a lot of rumors that that may be the last of we see of Star Trek Discovery because Star Trek Strange New Worlds may now be the new favorite child among the episodes of Star Trek that are out there. I mean, deservedly so, because Star Trek Discovery, again, start off a little bit on a rocky note, was a part of CBS. It migrated over to Paramount+, Plus, found a life on Paramount+. Plus. It's not really gotten the the pomp and circumstance that Star Trek Strange New Worlds has in such sure. a short amount of time, because Star Trek Strange New Worlds has many people outside of the Star Trek universe talking about it. It's really good. It is really, really good. And at a lot of times it's been really hard to say that about Star Trek Discovery because people talk about it's over no, too melodramatic, too emotional, too much drama put in. Not, yeah, not but I action. remember people Sometimes saying this. Well, again, that's been over the years. Actually, I thought the last season was pretty good. The season before, I think, was its best. Season three, if I remember correctly, I think was probably their best season overall. I think that uh, it still has a, a good place to go and a long way to go. And it can, because it's set in the, in the future right now, I think it can go a long way. There's talk about the, so is it Section 31? The uh, outfit that is being led by Michelle Yao. Mm-hmm. Who I adore, yes. More There's a possibility of that series, which has been long rumored. That could be announced as a official series that's underway. There's more talk of other series that could be greenlit that have, or have been greenlit, which will be officially announced during the course of the Star Trek Day. Of course, the Nickelodeon show, which is very integral to what the Star Trek universe going forward needs to be because it needs to resonate with fans of a younger age so that they can appreciate Star Trek going forward. Again, that's, I think, very crucial. So I thought that was a very smart move for Star Trek to go ahead and base the series on Nickelodeon. And then, of course, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is bringing something different. I know that's either 
that's been very polarizing. A lot of people have been very reluctant to embrace Star Trek Lower Decks because, oh, this isn't Star Trek. This is it? This was Star Trek all about. Me, I was ready to embrace it, and I absolutely love Star Trek Lower Decks. I love the way it calls out Star Trek on each and every episode in some form right. or fashion as far as the whole pantheon. I love how it pokes fun at Star Trek. It makes it enjoyable to watch, and it's really a great part of it. And I'm loving the fact that the two of the cast members of Lower Decks, Lower Decks will actually be a part in some form or fashion and integrate at some point in time in the second season of Star Trek Strange New World. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to work that out. So I, overall, I'm pretty good on where the Star Trek universe is at. It needs to grow. It needs to go more because, you know, you have a lot of things coming up in the future. One of the major things that they need to do is that Star Trek movie. Announce a big name director. Say you're still on track for late next year. Get the Kelvin universe stars officially involved in this no more rumors or saying that they are in or that they've not been hired or that they've not been brought in yet or the paramount says one time one minute that they they're all in and the, the you know the actors themselves they said they haven't signed any contracts so for once and for all get rid of the confusion get a director in and build something that can knock it out of the park i would love to see them go back to that scenario where they get chris hemsworth who played actually uh, Jim Kirk's father in the original rebooted Star Trek from J.J. Abrams. I'd love to see him back involved in some form or fashion. I think that would be a really nice boost. And I think with the Star Wars movie, Rogue Squadron, or whatever Star Wars movie that they are actually eventually going to put out, supposedly targeted also for the end of next year, I really think this is a chance for them to stake claim Star Trek and compete with Star Wars on a more even plane at the movie box office. This is their opportunity because after Rise of the Skywalker, it is laid a dud. People are like, eh, with the whole future of Star Wars movies out there. So right now, it's really a good time for Star Trek to really take a claim and try and compete for the first time at the movies on a more even plane with Star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, for people who say that Star Trek Discovery is too melodramatic, it's too this, it's too that, I remember the exact same conversations happening around Deep Space Nine because I had some of those conversations. <laughs> I was like, this is not Star Trek. It's, it's not right. It's not the same. Well, and now I, was, now I really part, enjoy you know, it. They were based on the station. All the action had to come to them. It wasn't right. until that they had the war, that they had they finally start going out and doing stuff. So it, they were burdened by the fact that they could not go explore for a great bit of the early parts of it. So I can see why people said that. Sure. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, the, the idea that this Trek is too melodramatic is not a new argument in terms of the Star Trek universe. Sure. That, that's all I'm, that's all I wanted to. Well, I think the original Star Trek there. movie is still going on. I think it's still <laughs> playing, you know, that movie, in some that multiverse movie, somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, yes, it's, it is. It's yeah. so slow of a movie. I think it's still going on. I think. Well, there was this, I can't, oh my goodness. Now I'm drawing a blank of exactly which movie it was, but it was Captain Kirk going up to the Enterprise. It was the new Enterprise. It was still docked. And I can remember the commentary and William Shatner was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the special effects guys were just really excited about playing with their new toys because it's like a half an hour of just Kirk standing in a window. It's the original Star Trek movie. 
yeah, Star Trek standing in the window, and it's just shot after shot after shot of of the new ship. And he was like, it was just special the effects. Problem- the problem with though effect. is when they threw it back to the shuttle with him in the shuttle. I think it was him yeah. and McCoy in the shuttle. That was some mm-hmm. awful CGI. That was awful. <laughs> was the shuttle part. Oh, awful. <laughs> it was a shuttle and there was like two cutouts. And yes. it had them. Yeah, it was just that was bad. But <laughs> need I digress on that period of right. my life when I yeah. Yeah, was watching that movie and yeah. spent two years watching it. But I will say that there have been good parts of Star Trek, and that is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. A lot of momentum is now very positive for Star Trek. They've done a lot of good things, Paramount has, in recent years. Again, the Nickelodeon show is a stroke of genius, I think, because it's go, it's catering to a younger audience. Star Trek Lower Decks has been a great find for me and has been a great part of it because it's catering to an even different audience to a comedy audience that might actually start embracing the rest of Star Trek. And Star Trek Strange New Worlds is fun, it's exciting, it's fast-paced, it's hip. Have you seen New Worlds as of yet? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough indeed. We still <laughs> got to have our Star Trek episode. but We do, I, I know. We do have to have our Star Trek episode. But I will say again that I think the key to this is still, even though we live in the world of streaming, Still, if you can get one last good run for the Kelvin crew in a box office movie that's set up to go ahead for them for success, because the last movie, Star Trek Beyond, it came out at a time, it came, I think, after right after the last Bourne movie, it came out at a time where it was just another movie that came out. If you could find a real sweet spot in the, in the calendar for them and you get them the right promotion and one last hurrah run for the crew, the Kelvin crew, I really think it will knock the socks off people. I really think that you can embrace that one last time. And I really think that you can go ahead and compete on a more even level with Star Wars on the movie screen. Yeah, I I agree with that. I I think that all of that sounds like, well, it sounds like a, I want to say a a new hope. No, that's not what I mean. Um, But it it does sound, uh, I do. A strange new world. Yeah, I'm forever going to be optimistic with Star Trek. It's, uh, I think at this point it's in my DNA, which I think I got from that particular gene from my dad because we spent hours watching Star Trek together. Hours and hours and hours. So I'm always going to have time for it. I, I, For me, and I've said it before on the show too, that you know even bad Trek is better than no Trek. And now we're getting legitimately good Star Trek. And if you are a Star Trek fan and you're not talking everybody that you know into watching at least an episode what are you doing man <laughs> well there's some grassroots stuff going shall we well the one thing though is star trek is one of the major ips of all time in pop culture but yeah. there's one thing escaping it and that is a box office hit the likes of you know what we've yeah. seen from these other major ips i mean star trek Into Darkness, I think, is the one that is the most all-time, that's earned the most all-time as far as gross. I think it's earned more than the original Star Trek reboot, just slightly. But even then, we're only talking about just under $500 million. There's still, even with the fact that the Star Trek rebooted has been seen by everybody over the years on cable television. Yeah. I still think that that's the one final frontier, to pardon a pun, that, that it needs to get to is that that seven, eight hundred million, one billion dollar blockbuster Star Trek needs in order for it to break through and be something that will get finally through and across to a general 
huge wide audience i agree i think worldwide grosses i think i think you'll see that star trek into darkness was the one that has earned the most right. i really think yeah. again you finally can start enough momentum get this going and it starts to me on september 8th hopefully we'll see something hopefully we'll hear something hopefully we'll get something that'll get everybody talking but they do need everybody to go ahead and talk about it because they do need something to go ahead and whip out there that's going to get people talking because if they don't, they're going to get snowed under by Disney on September 8th. And that, again, is just one of those head-shaking moments, again, from Star Trek that makes you go, oh, they blew it again. Yeah, yeah. I And, you know, like you said, it, it's a great opportunity. They just have to go ahead and grab that brass ring and, and run with it, really. I also have even great memories of going to see Star Trek in theaters in full-on Klingon costuming. So, <laughs> I mean... You go. Maybe you uh, need to be one of the cosplayers. Oh, my gosh. Going down the aisle on September 8th. Yes. Work. There you go. But you got to remember <laughs> your Klingon. Got to got to refresh on the Klingon. Klingon. All yeah. right. So what are your thoughts out there on Star Trek and what it needs to do on September 8th to be really in the mix as far as pop culture? They really have a lot of good momentum going into it. But on the same day, Disney Plus is going to be throwing a lot of stuff at you. And D23, right there, the start of it. What does Star Trek need to do to go ahead and have people talking? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. We're back to close out the show. It's Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. Thank you so much for joining us here at the PC Multiverse. Truly appreciate everyone following us. And please go ahead and subscribe today on YouTube or like our Facebook page. We've got over 1,000 followers on Facebook, closing in on 1,100. So please go ahead and check us out pop culture cosmos on facebook before we head on out my friend wanted to go ahead and talk real quick about the last of us part one the remake not the remaster because again there's a difference between remake and remaster sometimes i forget sometimes everyone else out there forgets but 2013 the game came out to great acclaim and great sales for sony 2014 they decided they loved it so much they remastered it for the PS4. Now they have a remake, adding some features in, but basically making it look fantastic. The one thing I will say is that this game, which looked good on the PS3, which looked really good on the PS4, looks mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic as far as what they did for it on the PS5. But is it a game that you want to spend $70 and play again for possibly for many people out there the third time? So do, let me ask you this $70 remake of a game that you probably played in 2014, 2013, or at some point in time in the past 10 years, your thoughts on the last of us part one remake. 
I'm already seeing reviews for it. Remember, and they're getting codes. They're not paying seventy dollars. Sure, sure, sure. No, I I understand that. But I'm just saying some of the the reviews to convince you to part with seventy dollars is what I'm getting at, right? Mm. And they're all saying unanimously through everything that I'm looking at is that there are enough upgrades to make it worth the price of purchase and enough upgrades, and I quote, to leave us stunned. The PS5 refresh redeems combat, reignites drama, but is still very much chained to 2013. I know that they've upgraded the AI, the enemies. Again, the graphics upgrades and the things they've done with lighting, shadows, textures, polygons, the characters, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Looks absolutely great. Naughty Dog, again, one of my favorite studios. They knocked it out of the park again. But the thing is, when you talk about $70, and for some people, they now have to pay for a more expensive PlayStation 5 in certain parts of the world. Yeah. I really thought that it would be a great sign of appreciation if PlayStation actually, with the price bump, gave them a free copy of this. I really thought that would be a great sign. But again, you know, that's just me. Now, thinking all crazy, so sorry, Sony out there, but I really think that for PlayStation fans, this is going to be hard to go ahead for people out there to buy a third time this game. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of quickly going through this and, and scanning through stuff. And Have it's you all... played The Last of Us? Yes, of course. Okay. And this is saying, you know, a lot of the stuff is, very, very familiar. They're saying that even some of the codes to lock safes are the same. Hidden collectibles, conversations that you'll see. And they just said it's a, it's really a massive touch-up in terms of the narrative and the world design. But most of the original game has been preserved. So, yeah. you know, if you loved the game, I think it's an easy $70 to spend, to be honest. I think if you haven't played the game, I think it is. Sure. I think if you have played the game, it might be not so easy of a $7 because, again, you know, let's say you get your PlayStation 5. Let's say Robbie has it right there for you. He brings it to you. He's got a nice little bow on it. says, hey, honey, got this for you as a gift because, you know, it was great traveling the Mediterranean with you. On the <laughs> and getting that last of us again, I mean, you've played it, but it doesn't seem like for a lot of people it's going to be that I got to buy it now. I got to rush out and buy it now because... I understand there's not a whole lot of games that have come out for the PlayStation 5, but mm-hmm. still, I mean, spending $70 on this, no matter how good it looks, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I don't think it's going to be for that reason. The chance to play The Last of Us and, and have it look as amazing as things have been looking on the PS5. Well, I mean, you can still play the PS5. If you've got a digital copy of it uh, i think even yeah. if you've got a, a, a ps4 copy of it you can still pop it in there it just will not look quite as good exactly so that's really kind of the peg that they're hanging their hats on for the ps5 is it not that you know the the graphics are so incredible on the ps5 yeah so that's true. why wouldn't you take a, a game that is beloved and optimize it for the latest console i don't know i i feel like if I had a PS5, I would probably talk myself into spending the $70. Well, I will say this. Let me put it to you like this. Okay. Okay. You know how much I love Mass Effect right behind me. I've got Command. I mean, Shepard we've talked about me. it a couple of times. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know how much I appreciate the series and you got the banners and all that. 
And I got Mass Effect, the definitive edition last year. Josh and I, we ran out, got it first day, no problem. This is a game that we've both gone through the trilogy has spent already many, many hours, tens and tens of hours in a previous decade playing these games of the Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. If it came out tomorrow with a remake of this Definitive Edition, specifically for the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5, even I and my love for Mass Effect would say that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow because I've already spent hundreds of dollars because you figure i've already spent like the definitive edition cost me you know 60 then you've got whatever i spent on the one two and three you know i've already spent my share of money on this game so far and then you're asking me to do it one more time i mean that's going to be a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow yeah sure and it might not be something that you get day of release but i bet you you'd warm up to it because of your love for the ip i might I might. I would. I, I'll be more warming of that, and even The Last of Us. Yeah. Around Black Friday, which I think, as you know, the September releases always get a nice discount. Their first major sale or discount usually happens around Black Friday, so I have a feeling The Last of Us Part One will be heavily discounted around yeah. that time. It's just a gut feeling i think i think that's the spidey senses are tingling over that one well yeah because you usually see madden drop to about 30 35 on black friday and that just came out a couple weeks ago saints row which came out the week after that i really think that's going to drop and i think last of us will probably since it came out this week i don't think it'll be as popular two and uh almost two and a half months from now and i think it'll need a sales boost and in order to do that sony will ask to go ahead yeah you can chop the price how much we'll wait and see but i think that at some point in time you'll see a, a price dip and then a lot more interest in in it because of that sure and, and i mean that's that's completely fair honestly but you heard melinda she's a day one buyer when she gets her ps5 for the last of us part one i'm would be eh, i would wait for a discount what are your thoughts out there on The Last of Us? I know Josh has some thoughts. So I'll, if I remember, I'm going to ask him on the Monday show because I know he he, he sent me some texts and DMs like, I got to buy this again, again, <laughs> again. Uh-huh. So we want to hear your thoughts. Are you ready to buy The Last of Us Part 1 again for the third time for the latest Last of Us Part 1 remake now available on the PlayStation 5? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great adventure once again on the PC Multiverse. You rocked it as always. You're coming back from the Rio Mediterranean slash Mm -hmm. South of France vacation Mm -hmm. slash Italian vacation slash Hawaiian vacation. Yep. Yep. Mazatlan, you know, all yep. these great vacation destinations. Ibiza, we swung through there. Exactly. Yeah, it was a busy four, four days. days. Yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? Star Trek Day, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I can't wait. And I'm also very excited for the new season of Rick and Morty. As am I. I really yeah. wasn't a fan to start off with, but I am now. Yeah. I caught the past couple seasons getting mm-hmm. kind of into it, so... I'm ready to go ahead for the chaos Yeah, coming up this weekend. So for Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening.
And here's hoping you have yourself a great one.